0: Hello and welcome to the Selective Mutism Help Home Educational Learning Program podcast. My name is Kelly and I will be your host. This podcast aims to give you the help you need to support the person in your life affected by selective mutism. In this episode, I'll be talking about a potentially controversial topic, which is the use of medication in those affected by selective mutism. I'll be discussing various studies done about medication, and I'll be talking about our journey and how our thoughts on medication has changed throughout the last few years. Let's get started. Welcome to episode three of the Selective Mutism Help Home Educational Learning Program podcast. My name is Kelly, and I'm a parent of a child with selective mutism. Being that I'm a parent and not a medical professional, this podcast is for informational purposes only. I wanted to talk about medication early in my podcast series because I think it's a topic that comes up quite often when trying to figure out what's best for your SM child. After interviewing various SM professionals from around the world, I have learned that different countries have different regulations about offering medication to children, I'm in the U.S., and well, let's just say that using medications for various ailments is pretty common here. At the end of this podcast, I'll introduce a potentially effective alternative to medication that could be just as effective. So let's start by talking about which types of medications are most commonly used for treating selective mutism. As you recall, selective mutism is an anxiety disorder. So many of the medications used are the same that are used for disorders such as anxiety and depression. The medications are called selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, or SSRIs. And these are the most commonly prescribed type of medication for anxiety and depression. According to the Mayo Clinic, the medications work by increasing the levels of serotonin in the brain. Now, serotonin is one of the neurotransmitters or messengers in the brain that carry signals between nerve cells within the brain. The medications increase the level of serotonin by blocking the reabsorption or reuptake of the serotonin back into the neurons. There are other neurotransmitters in the brain other than serotonin, but SSRIs only affect the serotonin transmitters, which is why they're called selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. The two most common SSRIs prescribed for those with SM are Prozac or fluoxetine and Zoloft or sertraline. There's no specific data to choose one over the other, but Prozac is the default because it's more commonly used. Zoloft can be used for those as young as six, with Prozac being used for those a little older. With that being said, many of the the medications are used off-label because there haven't been enough studies conducted for younger kids. So let's talk about some of these studies. I want to share a few with you about the use of medication for those with selective mutism. I'll have links in the episode notes if you want to learn more about these studies. The first one is a study done in 1994 by Black and Udi. They had 16 children diagnosed with SM that were either treated with a placebo which is a medication that is like a sugar pill. There's really no medication in it. Or a dose of fluoxetine at a dose of 0.6 milligrams per kilogram per day. And they did this for three months. They interviewed parents, teachers, and clinicians before and after the trial. For those children that were on fluoxetine, the parents rated their child as significantly, significantly more improved, but the clinicians and teachers did not reveal significant differences. They concluded that fluoxetine may be beneficial and safe with longer treatment being necessary, but further research needs to be done. Then in 1996, a study by Summit et al. studied 21 children between the ages of 8 and 14. They were prescribed, prescribed between 10 and 60 milligrams fluoxetine for 9 weeks, and 76% showed diminished anxiety and increased speech in public settings, which included schools. A study in 2008 by Manassas and Tannock studied 17 children who had been mute for at least one full school year. Eight of them were on fluoxetine, two of them were on sertraline, and the others were not on medication. All of the students were receiving SM support at school during the study, which lasted six to eight months. Again, the mothers and clinicians gave reports at the beginning and end of the study. Per the mothers' report. Those on an SSRI showed improvement and reduced mutism outside the home. The clinicians rated those on medication to be functioning at a higher level than those not on medication. However, since all students were receiving school consultation, they can't be sure that medication alone caused the improvement. The final study I want to talk about is the Child-Adolescent Anxiety Multimodal Study by Compton et al., In this study, they examined the relative efficacy of using only cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT, which I discussed in my last episode, using sertraline alone, a combination of CBT and sertraline, and a placebo. They studied 448 kids that were between the ages of 7 and 17 years old that were diagnosed with separation anxiety, general anxiety, and or social phobia. Since there hasn't been a study like this specifically for those with SM, this is the closest study we have to use. The results of this study showed that after four months, 23% of those that were using the placebo were doing better. Those that were doing only sertraline, 55% of them were doing better. 60% of those did better that only did CBT. And those that had a combination of sertraline and the CBT did 81% better with the combination. Although there have been some studies, including what I just mentioned, according to the book Psychiatric Drugs in Children and Adolescents, the evaluation of the effects of using an SSRI for those with SM is still largely based on the reports and opinions of expert panels, consensus conferences, and clinical experience. In other words, there just isn't enough research to to definitively say yes. Using an SSRI needs to be in the treatment protocol for an SM child. It really depends on the clinician's experience with using these types of medications and finding a psychiatrist or pediatrician that is comfortable prescribing these types of medications, especially if the child is young. The American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry does recommend to first consider using CBT, then using an SSRI. Or if the child is more severe, has a high number of comorbidities, and/or a strong family history, adding an SSRI may be beneficial. Now, let me share with you our personal experience with medication. Our daughter was officially diagnosed with selective mutism at the age of four and a half. We met with a psychologist who specialized in SM, and during our first visit. She drew one of those Venn diagrams which showcased the study about the 55% did better with meds, 60% did better with CBT, but 81% did better with the combination of the two. She asked if we would be interested in starting our daughter on meds. My husband and I were both quick to answer, absolutely not. At that time, we couldn't imagine starting our little four and a half year old on anxiety medication. Neither of us had any experience with these types of medications, and there's a lot of stigma around medicating, so we just weren't on board with starting her on meds, but we were on board with her starting cognitive behavior therapy. So a few weeks after our first meeting, we started our daughter in weekly sessions i was in the room with my daughter for every session and i could not believe just how bad her sm was she was unable to talk to me if the psychologist was anywhere in the room she was unable to make eye contact with the psychologist she couldn't hand anything to the psychologist and she threw a tantrum every time we had to leave being that her psychologist was an sm specialist she knew a lot about strategies to help facilitate communication with our daughter but after about five to six weeks we weren't seeing any improvement so the topic of medication came up again. Since I was with my daughter during every weekly session and I could see just how hard it was for her to try to communicate, we decided to give medication a try. I wanted to give her brain a break from being overly protective so she could have an opportunity to participate in trying to be brave. I was nervous about side effects, so we talked about what to expect. We are told she may get an upset stomach or headaches There was also the possibility of hyperactivity and being disinhibited, meaning she may try to do more daring things. The side effects generally only last a couple weeks, but we were told that if the side effects were concerning, once we stopped the medication, the side effects would go away. We were given a handout explaining that the medications would be used off-label since she was only four and a half years old. We opted for search since that was labeled for six-year-olds and had shown to have success in those as young as four. We met with our daughter's pediatrician and he was hesitant to start her on an ssri at such a young age i gave him the handouts from our psychologist and after he spoke with a few of his colleagues he did agree to start our daughter on a very low dose of sertraline start low and go slow is the motto motto when using an ssri so we started very low at only 5 milligrams or 0.25 milliliters of sertraline. Being that it was liquid and very concentrated, we had to mix it with water, which created its own set of challenges. We had to get a special cup and mark a line on it so she would get the same amount of water each time. If it was too much water, she couldn't drink at all. If it was too little water, she would be able to taste too much of the medication. But once we got the water level right and it became more of a morning routine, it was much easier for her to take. Plus she started becoming much more relaxed just a few weeks after starting the medication. She was much more compliant with requests and wasn't pushing back as much as before. It was nice to be able to say, hey, do you mind go feeding the dog? And her saying, okay, instead of, no, I don't want to. So that was the biggest thing we noticed right away was just being more compliant. It made us all relax just a little bit more. We were on the five milligram dose for about a month and our daughter was showing some improvement in therapy. She was able to start making eye contact and communicate by holding up fingers to questions like, which type of ice cream do you like better? Hold up one finger for vanilla or two fingers for chocolate. But she still wasn't able to verbalize or talk to me at a normal volume in front of the therapist. So we decided to increase her dose to 10 milligrams or 0.5 milliliters. With the new school year just around the corner, we wanted to give her the best chance to start the school year with less anxiety than the previous year. Each time the dose is increased, it can take three to four weeks to see its effect. So we wanted to make sure the new dose was at full effect by the time she started school. She was on 10 milligrams for about six months. She was no longer in therapy at that time, but we were doing exposure therapy on our own. And she was started on an IEP with a new preschool, which helped give her some support. But she still wasn't talking to a majority of people in her classes. We decided to do another medication increase, this time to 15 milligrams or 0.75 milliliters. Our daughter did complain of headaches with this increase, but they went away rather quickly. The best side effect we noticed was her talking more. Two months after starting her on the increased dose, she was talking to all of her teachers and almost all the kids in her class. We were happy with her progress, but we were worried about how she would be when she started kindergarten. She was at the same preschool for three years, so going to kindergarten was going to be a much bigger challenge for her. We decided to start her on 20 milligrams, or one milliliter, about a month before kindergarten started. Over the summer, we would visit the school once a week to get her acclimated to the school, and I would do different exposures with her throughout the school to help decrease her anxiety for when school actually started. So in October of her kindergarten year, we attended the Selective Mutism Association's annual conference, my husband went to a talk about medication and he learned that it can be common for kids to be underdosed on medication when they're trying to overcome their SM. We started looking at our daughter's dose and how far away she was in overcoming her SM. Based on what my husband learned at the conference and the struggles our daughter was still having, we had a goal of doing small medication increments up to 75 milligrams. So every eight weeks, we would increase her dose by 10 milligrams until she was verbal in almost all situations. By February of her kindergarten year, which was a year and a half after starting medication, we were up to 50 milligrams of sertraline, and she was doing wonderful. We had started tablets at that time too instead of liquid, which again presented new challenges as she wasn't able to swallow a pill. So we'd crush up the tablet and mix it in yogurt, and eventually we got to the point of just placing the tablet on a dollop of yogurt on her spoon, and she would swallow it down. Now, I should also mention that at this point, she had started OT and was starting to get the right support at school, but she was talking to almost all immediate family members, peers, and some teachers. The summer after kindergarten, we went on family vacation, and this was going to be our test to see if we needed to continue increasing her dose of medication or if we were at a potentially therapeutic dose. We spent a week with relatives that she didn't see very often, and she was able to talk to every single one of them. We were so happy and proud of how far she had come. We kept her on the same dose of 50 milligrams when starting first grade. And by the third week of school, she was talking to over a third of the school staff. It was at that point we decided to start weaning her off medication. So when we first started medication at the beginning, we were told to go through a year of firsts. So the first start of a new school year, the first family get togethers, first holidays, first birthdays, all of these firsts while on the therapeutic dose of medication. If there are no setbacks during those big events, it was an indication that we could start weaning her off the meds. So we felt very confident, confident about decreasing her medication since she was doing so great. She did great with the decrease during the first month of school, and the real test was going to be how she was going to do with us moving. We ended up moving across country six weeks into the school year. We didn't know anyone where we were moving to, and we, we didn't have an opportunity to do any meet and greets with a new t- teacher or tour the school since COVID was at its peak, so it was really going to be her toughest test yet. We were completely amazed at how well she did with the transition. She was able to talk to her teacher by the second day and was talking to peers immediately. After about a month, since she appeared to be doing so well, we decided to decrease her medication more, down to 12.5 milligrams. After about a week or two on that dose, to be blunt, shit hit the fan. She was constantly complaining of stomach aches, was having a hard time sleeping due to worry, and was trying to run away from school staff at drop-off. Yikes. To say I felt like a horrible mom was an understatement. I felt so guilty for creating so much anxiety in our daughter because I thought she was ready for her meds to be decreased. Needless to say, we had to, de- to increase her dose back to the 25 milligram, and it took months to get her back to a point of not having stomach aches due to anxiety. Granted, the school she was at ended up being very anxiety-provoking due to their way of handling unwanted behavior. It was just a recipe for disaster, and we ended up doing distance learning because of it. She has been seen as psychologist for anxiety for the last th- three to four months, and we have all agreed to keep her on the 25 milligram dose until at least this winter. We'll be switching schools again. I want to make sure she'll be able to be successful and continue to overcome her anxiety. She is at a point now where a new person would have no idea she has selective mutism because she can pretty much talk to anyone. I've learned a lot through this medication journey. I think medication can be very beneficial if it is combined with therapy. We weren't in CBT for very long in the beginning, but we continued to do exposure therapy with our daughter and started her in occupational therapy. We also found the right support at school to give her the confidence she needed. More importantly, we learned what anxiety looks like for her when she is not at a therapeutic dose. My advice to you as a parent is to assess your child. If they are completely frozen like our daughter was, or if they have other comorbidities such as social anxiety, separation anxiety, and or uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, starting with a low dose of medication may give your child's brain the break it needs so they can have an opportunity to do something brave. Their brain wants to protect them from danger, but we want to teach them that communicating to others isn't dangerous. Medication could be enough for them to start the process of overcoming their SM. Now, at the beginning of the podcast, I did mention that I would talk about an alternative to medication. During this journey, I was introduced to rhythmic movement therapy, which has completely changed my thoughts on medication. So in my next episode, I'll be talking about rhythmic movement therapy and how this could be a way for those that are in an area where medication isn't a possibility could still see changes in their child similar to how an SSRI can help an anxious child. Make sure to listen to the next podcast available Thursday, August 5th. In the meantime, if you have any questions, feel free to email me at smhelp2020 at gmail.com or head on over to my website, www.smhelp.org, for more information about various topics surrounding selective mutism. Thanks for listening.